the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. So, we've been spending this Easter season talking about a theme, and that theme is restoration. The theme of restoration. Now, think about that. If you are restoring a home, then you're going to take a home that is worn out, right? That it's got a lot broken. It may even be unsafe for other people to come into. And you're going to give it a lot of attention. You're going to give it a lot of TLC. You're going to uh, really uh, work hard with it. And in the end, it is beautiful and wel- uh, ready to welcome people in. And that's a, a picture, isn't it, of what the resurrected Jesus does for us. Jesus said, it's not the, the well who need a doctor, but the sick. So he said, I've not come for the righteous, but for sinners. He's come for the worn out, for the broken. And it's when we realize that we are among the worn out and the broken that we are ready for the TLC of Jesus. We're ready for his restoration. Uh, Two weeks ago, we looked at... uh, Jesus is restoring the disciple who had doubts. Remember, doubting Thomas. He restores him, saying, touch my hands and uh, the the wound in my side. And then last week, we looked at Peter, the disciple who had denied Jesus three times. And Jesus three times says, do you love me? And restores him. And in fact, he uh, offers him his own ministry, saying, Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. And we see that same imagery today. The the imagery of the sheep. Uh, As Jesus... uh, Today we have not uh, so much a story of Jesus restoring someone, but this this image, this metaphor, sort of a favorite metaphor of Jesus to talk about himself, and that's the good shepherd. And so you can see that Jesus is the good shepherd, and he's telling Peter to tend his sheep in our passage last week. He's passing on his ministry. But today's the fourth Sunday of Easter, and every, uh, every year in the lectionary, we read a portion of John chapter 10, which is the good shepherd narrative. And um, so it's often called Good Shepherd Sunday. And a lot of times uh, we have uh, the earlier passages where, uh, in John where it says, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Well, Jesus doesn't say that specifically here, but, he, but John has placed this conversation here in his gospel because it follows this, this theme, this same theme. Well, we see the Jewish leaders uh, corner Jesus in the temple, and they come around him and they say to him, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. And you can see, can't you, that this is a trap. I mean, if he says no... I'm not the Messiah, he's lying, and that he wouldn't do that, but he also, it would undermine his uh, ministry, and he would sort of fade into oblivion, and they could tell everybody, he said himself, he's not the Messiah. But if he says yes, and he's just a person, a, a, a human like you and me, then, then they would uh, get him for blaspheming. And so either way, if he answers yes or no, uh, it's, a, it's a trick, it's a trap. 
And Jesus uh, doesn't take the bait. He uh, says, I've told you, and you don't believe. He doesn't say yes or no. He just says, I've already told you. Now, you might say, well, how is it that, that he has told them? Or how has he told us? It's in turning the water into wine. It's in the feeding of the 5,000. It's the healing of the sick. It's Jesus saying, I am the bread of life, and whoever feeds on me will never be hungry. It's Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. It is in calling God his Father. Now, he got in trouble for all those things in, in some sense. And Jesus here in the temple, is, as he's cornered by these leaders, he says, if you don't believe it now, you're not going to be convinced because I tell you plainly. Though I would say in the end of this passage, he does end up telling them fairly plainly when he says, the Father and I are one. And if you were to read further in the chapter, you would see that that makes them furious. They pick up stones uh, and they're going to try to kill him. But rather than engaging them in an argument about who believes what and why, Jesus goes back to this good shepherd metaphor. And he calls those who follow him, my sheep. He didn't just say, they're sheep. He says, they're my sheep. There is ownership. There is a personal investment. And I think, I mean, that's an incredibly tender image. A very humble image for Almighty God to take upon himself I mean, you think about this is the one who spoke the stars into existence, said, let there be light, and there was. He made up in his own imagination the rings of Saturn. He uh, came up with cell biology. It all came out of his own mind. He said it was to happen, and it was. And of all the images that he created, the image that he takes upon himself is that of a shepherd and they were sort of the roughnecks and the outcasts of society they they stayed on the fringes not in town but out keep tending the sheep but actually this is not a new image that Jesus is just taking on himself it's an image all throughout scripture and you can go back from the very early pages in the bible and all the way to the end in fact we saw revelation today it said worthy is the lamb there's this lamb imagery is uh, all throughout scripture we think of the Passover lamb, the lamb of sacrifice. We think of this famous Psalm 23 that we read today. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. The great preacher from the 19th century, Charles Spurgeon, pointed out that only the faithful, Throughout Scripture, only the faithful are called sheep. All the rest are called wolves or goats or something else. But the faithful are called his sheep. It's a lowly distinction, but nevertheless a distinction of honor. You know, sheep, um, we have this sort of bucolic imagery of this fluffy, sweet lamb around Jesus' neck. But you know what? Sheep stink, and they're not very smart. And so, um, but, and they're not useless, but they need a shepherd. They need a shepherd. So Jesus says something that is, uh, would have been offensive and confusing, I think, to them, uh, but he names three characteristics, three um, 
three characteristics that mark his sheep. It's a, it's a, a, a restorative image. Think of, that, think of it in the context of this theme of restoration. He says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. And they follow me. So first, my, my sheep hear my voice. Um, a few weeks ago, uh, one of our, um, I guess he's about eight years old. Uh, he's not my son. He was, he's friends with my son. His name is Matt. And uh, he is, is, is as precocious as my son, Luke, and they're, they're big buddies, and they get into a lot of trouble around here. But, um, but Matt came up to me, and uh, he said, Father Joe, uh, I have a question, and I've learned that when Matt asks a question, that I need to be on my game. And he, says, he said to me, how do I know that the voice in my head that I'm hearing is God and not just my own imagination?" And, and I, I said, because, um, you know, when, when someone asks, when your kid asks you that, you say, well, go ask Father Joe. And so, um, and, and I, so I said, well, gosh, Matt, you know, I, I think, you know, you have to, we need to read Scripture, and it takes sometimes a long time to, to, to just really make our, um, to, sort of a lot of trial and error, and we want to just really say our prayers about that and see if what we hear matches up against Scripture. And Luke said, Dad, stop. Matt, it's just what you hear and hear. You know, and I just thought, yeah, well, that's, that's probably right. Um, so um, how, do we hear, how do we hear God's voice? Well, I actually think there's probably a balance. It is what you hear and hear, but sometimes what we hear and hear is, um, is a little crazy. So, um, you know, when, when Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, it's not just auditory, right? But there's a sense of, uh, of understanding. I mean, that's really what's implied in the original language, uh, uh, so under, uh, understanding, comprehension. The King James Version sometimes translates that word, hearken, hearken to my voice. It's a, and we say that like, we use it the same way. When I say, we say to our children, do you hear me? We don't mean, do you, can you hear the sound of my voice? We mean, do you understand me, right? Do you understand me? But I think it also must mean trust. There, there is an element of trust here. You, you think about uh, I've been told that when sheep come to the, the water, they, they often would come to the water with lots, several other flocks. And, you know, they all kind of look the same. So how do they know which, which shepherd to go with at any time? Well, it's because they hear his voice. They've come to know and to trust the one and to say, I hear that voice, so I'm going to follow this shepherd, my shepherd. I've said um, several times in, in various contexts that when I heard the voice of the Good Shepherd, I was in high school, and what I heard was a message of acceptance. And that sort of had to do with my own story and the context and the social relationships I had. And um, I, I knew just something I, I just knew from the testimony of others and from, uh, from my own life and, and what I, but there was just this knowing in here that in Christ I would be accepted in a way that I was sold. Now, others have heard, what they've heard is forgiveness when they didn't feel like they would be forgiven. Or they've heard a message of hope when they were hopeless. Or they've heard eternal life. At the next service, uh, we're going to have the bishop here and 35 people are going to be confirmed. Now, that's, some, that's the reason some of you are here at 8 o'clock. Uh, but, but the... Um, 
But each of them has their own story of what they heard from the Good Shepherd. How uh, they're, they're making a public profession of their Christian faith. And for some it may be acceptance, and for some it may be forgiveness, but each of us has our own story. And I wonder, what is your story? How did you hear the voice of the Good Shepherd? Or maybe you haven't yet, and you're, you're wondering what that's like. So Jesus says, my, my sheep hear my voice. And then he says something that I, I think actually is um, counterintuitive. He says, I know them. And in our culture today, uh, we sort of orient the question the other way. It's, it's you know, what, do you know God? Do you, what do you think about God? With very little concern with what God thinks about us. But actually, the mark that Jesus says is not that my sheep know me. I mean, they hear my voice, they follow me, but, but actually that I know them. I think Jesus is saying, as the good shepherd, it's really important that I know you. Now, we just um, had our, uh, at the beginning of the service, every, every week, the collect for purity, our opening prayer. Almighty God, to you, what? All hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. And I used to think, wow, that is such a, a beautiful image. And then I realized what my desires are, and I think, oh my gosh, God knows all these things about me. No secrets, that is not good news, right? What is good news is that he knows all the secrets and he loves us still. And he doesn't, when he sees all the secrets, he knows our inmost parts and our thoughts. He doesn't say, well, now yeah, you've given me no choice. I'm the judge. And you're going to have to, sh- to shape up, pal. He is the good shepherd. And now, it doesn't mean he doesn't use judgment. I mean, he, he, if he sees a wound, he's going to come and tend to it. Like a good shepherd does. But he says, I know them. There's personal knowledge. You know, no other religion claims that God knows you personally like this that I've heard of. That, that, that God Almighty would have a unique per- perspective on you and you alone. That when you speak to Him among the seven or eight billion people here, that he, you have His undivided attention. Because He knows you. Jesus says he knows even the hair, the number of hairs you have on your head, which is more knowledge for some of you than others. But it's, it's, but he knows you. He knows you. It's a, it's a unique claim and a wonderful claim because sometimes we do wander from the fold, don't we? Sometimes we think, I don't really know what I think about this anymore. I'm in this sort of period of, of questioning, and, and yet what's important is not what we think about him, but what he thinks about us. He knows you. And then he does say, about my sheep, they follow me. So they hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. There is the sense in which the shepherd or the sheep want to go where the shepherd is. I mean, yes, we wander from the fold sometimes. Yes, we need the good shepherd to get us back to the flock. But there is a sense in which in the hearing of his voice, this understanding and this trust, there is a sense in which we know that we are safest under, the, the, under his watchful eye, under his care. I mean, who knows where he's going to lead us? That's part of the, He doesn't just lead us all the same place. 
And that's part of his unique knowing of you. He may lead you to the ends of the earth to proclaim his name. He may lead you next door to make a casserole for your neighbor who's in a tough spot. He may lead you to sit with someone while they are dying. He may lead you to advocate for some sort of injustice. I mean, I think that's what the psalmist says when he says, uh, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. It's not that, I mean, I've said before, I wish, he would, wish it said he would keep us out of the valley of the shadow of death. He doesn't say that. He says, I'll walk through it. But there's some scary things out there. And God is not afraid to lead us into some scary places. And I don't mean, you know, the, I mean, well, sometimes it may, I've known people who said they felt called to, to go live in a scary neighborhood just to bring light to that place. You just never know. But it's in the valley that we learn to trust him. You, you wouldn't, if, you never, if he never brought you to a place where you had to trust him, how would you learn to trust him? It's in the valley where our relationship with him is forged. And it's walking us through the valley that he takes us to those place of, places of um, advocating social justice or, or helping or, or mercy or proclamation, whatever it is. It's in the valley where we learn to trust Him. We just learn to, to know uh, just how good the Good Shepherd really is. So what comes of it all? Jesus says, I, I, I know my sheep. They hear my voice. I know them. They, uh, they follow me. What comes of it all? He says He gives His sheep eternal life. Eternal life. And you see there, there's this restoration of hope. That no matter what the situation is that you're facing, you know that there will be a day where there is no more crying, there is no more sorrow, that you are with Him forevermore. Because He's your Good Shepherd. Now, I don't know what you're facing now, but I know this, that He is with you. And that if you're not sure, all you need to do is open yourself to say, I want you to be my Good Shepherd. I want to hear your voice. It may, it may not be this mystical experience. It may just be looking at Scripture. But I want to hear uh, your voice. And the thing is, how do we know that he's going to be with us always? Because, and that is because our good shepherd died for us and he rose again. And this is the Easter season, right? We, this is, it is still Easter. That's why we start the season. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. We start the service that way because he died for our sins. He laid down his life. He says the, the, good, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And he rose again, shook off the shackles of death, never to die again. He is with you. And in fact, the spirit, his own spirit lives inside of those who have faith in him. And he says, no one can snatch this out of my hand. It can't be taken away. He doesn't uh, say... Uh, that maybe another shepherd will come along. He doesn't say uh, there's a possibility if you waver that you'll be given over to the wolves. He says, I will be with you. Nothing can snatch you out of my hand. So going back to this theme of restoration, the question then is, is what needs to be restored in you as his sheep? What needs to be healed? What needs to be torn out and replaced? And how might the good shepherd lead you there? How might we hear his voice? Because he knows you. And he invites you.
Come, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Amen.